and welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Sheeran. Come and join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey, talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So go and get the kettle on, settle in for a chat and hopefully a lot of laughter along the way. This week, we chat with the wonderful Holly McComish. Holly is an author, producer, and women's health ambassador from East London, who at the age of 25 suffered a stroke due to the combined contraceptive pill. Determined to raise awareness of taboo women's health issues, she wrote the brilliant book, If Tits Could Talk, a collection of poetry. In the book collective, we read and discuss the first chapter of our book club book, 12 Moons by Caro Giles. We have a new foodie theme of soup and we have the perfect soup for a heat wave. Find out how patient we have been in this week's WI. And finally, Lou will have a quote for the week. Uh, Before we do our comments, um, a couple of things you may have noticed. One, I have a very sexy voice today. I wish my voice... Yeah, it's like Mariella Frostrop on here. I actually really like it. I don't like the COVID that's gone with it. I do have COVID. So Lou and I are in separate rooms, separate houses even. So the sound might be affected, Lou, mightn't it? So we do apologise for that. Ginty's got all the equipment and I've just got, I've just got me older MacBook. So we're hoping... That we're on through loud and clear. Smooth as treacle, smooth as honey, smooth as my lovely sexy voice today. I really like next week. I love it. Next week I'll be sounding like a twelve-year-old again. So (laughs) watch out, Lou. Our first week, people seem to like it. We've had some lovely comments, haven't we? Oh, we have. Hang on, let me shuffle some papers. Shuffle some papers Um, around. So lots of Trevor McDonald. Oh yes, hang on. Many years ago. So lots of you are happy we are back. Well, we're happy we're back. And Neil told told us, lovely to have you two back on and into my Sunday routine. Oh, thanks, Neil. Um, the producer Ramsden on Instagram commented, can't wait, just about to start the book too. Let us know how you get on. And lovely, lovely previous Womankind Collective podcast guest, Sarah of Beyond Insomnia. Lovely, says, Sarah. Welcome welcome back series eight here i come and nikki of a mare luxury fragrance commented "Ooh, this episode sounds right up my street Hope and michelle it, yeah michelle 0405 just a bit of a work one told mm-hmm. us i am so looking forward to having you back you are such a joy to listen listen to each week oh thank you michelle And the wonderful Elena in Scotland said she's ready and buckled in, lovelies. Hope you (laughs) gorge gals had a well-deserved break. Missed you both. It's nice to be missed, isn't it, Lou? It certainly is. Thank you, everybody. And Elle's later commented that she will be having a shot at playing Patience and adds, welcome back, lovelies, and happy 100th. What a way to kickstart Series 8 with that Conversations with the Gods. Thoroughly enjoyed this. I have a wee read at what is in my stars every week on on the Saturday magazine we Uh get paper and it's quite accurate. I'll defo be getting in touch with Jenny for a reading. Thanks, gals. Oh, she'll love that. Fantastic. And 
gorgeous Razia messaged us to say, well done for the 30K download and the 100th episode. Thank you, Razia. She says, really enjoyed this one. Who knew that Saturn could have an impact on our menopause symptoms? I know. I was gobsmacked and I might need to revisit a reading that I had a few decades ago and see where, yeah, dig it out, dig it out, Razia, and see where I am now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, If you're anything like me, I wouldn't be able to find it now. But um, she says she's got the audio version of 12 Moons, so she will be joining us for the Book Club Collective. Looking forward to it. Much love. She signed off the gorgeous Razia. Oh, so she just knows it now. Yeah. And Rachel of Not Your Usual Menopause was pleased we are back, messaging, really lovely to hear you both again this morning. You'll be pleased to hear that I have finished Rebel Bodies. Way! Yay! And relieved it ended on a fairly positive note because parts of it made me so cross. <laughs> the way some women have been treated is absolutely outrageous. Yes, exactly. It is made, made us all cross, didn't it? Uh, Rachel adds that she's been reading Breathe by James Nestor, and it's a great book. I've I've got that book. Um, but she says next up will be Twelve Moons, which I will download today. Really looking forward to it. And when hearing about our get our astrologer guest, Rachel commented, "I must admit to a little eye roll and eyebrow raise, but how interesting is Jenny to listen to?" And guess what? My first was born on my 29th and a half birthday. It was a prolonged and difficult labour, even taking into account it being my first, with complications for me postpartum. She was also a very demanding baby who wouldn't feed, wouldn't sleep and just screamed if I put her down. She didn't sleep properly through the night until she was a year old. Turns out it was all in the stars. Had I known, I would have planned it better. Exactly. We need that map, don't we? We need 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 Jenny's map. map. Yeah. And you can help out here. The wonderful Mrs. Menacles has a question for you, Lou. Um, (laughs) She says, when your internal ultrasound showed your endometrium to be good. So this, if you haven't listened to last week's, Lou was talking about her uh, breakthrough 10-day bleed that she had in post-menopause. So Mrs. Menacles, Menacles says, um, when you when your internal ultrasound showed your endometrium to be good, had you reduced your estrogen for weeks prior to the exam? Exam. Also, what has changed since? Have you increased your utrogestan dose? Remained on the reduced estrogen? Thanks for sharing your story. It's all very interesting. In brackets, sorry, I'm terminally curious. <laughs> well, I think well, a I lot can, of people probably will be, won't they? Liz? Yeah, I can and, let you know. So. Um, I had reduced my um, estrogen, but obviously as the appointment was six weeks post bleed and it was meant to be three, I had actually gone back up to my normal dose of estrogen about two weeks prior, Mm. um, uh, two weeks after my bleed, because I doubled up on my utrogestin, my progesterone. Um, So I'm on 200 mils, two tablets of of that um, as um, from my GP, from my lovely GP. So I haven't remained. I've gone back up to normal, but I've actually upped my utrogestin. Um, but yeah, any questions you've got on that? Yeah. Uh, my my body loves estrogen. Actually, my joints love the estrogen, um, as you know. So I was so I was so achy, and my mood was so low once I'd dropped my estrogen right down um, that I, w- I was very very teary for for a week or two. Very teary. Could cry every everything and anything. Um, 
but since then it has <laughs> I've gone up and it has all levels I've, my moods have leveled out and my joints are better that's fantastic How's your week been, Jins? Well, apart from COVID, my week's been um, okay. COVID's one of those things because people have forgotten about it, haven't they? Well, and my it... girl, I told my girls yesterday that you had it and they went, is that still a thing? I know. I, well, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I got a test because my, my mum, bless her, one of the things she left <laughs> was about 300 paracetamols and 300 <laughs> COVID tests. <laughs> so thank you, mum. Um, I thought I'd better do a test and especially because I mainly did it for, for Lou because Lou's going away at the weekend and I thought I do not want to be in the same room as Lou. We saw each other last week. So hope, fingers crossed, Lou, when I didn't know I had it, no. um, you don't get it. And it's nasty still. You sound, well, you, you, well, you sound very I sexy, sound but sexy. I know, I know you're there and you, you're very sort of damp looking. I'm very, very damp. moist, very I'm moist. Very, I'm very moist and it's hot anyway. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to met because it, if to me, I don't feel fluey. I feel like I did last time. I feel it's a cross between morning sickness Ooh. and a really bad, my really bad hangovers, the reason I gave up alcohol. And so I think definitely for me, hormones are involved. I've got a funny tummy, headaches. So beware, it's folks, COVID. it's still out there. Yeah, this damn COVID, it's still a bit, yeah, you know. My mother-in-law calls it um, COVID to rhyme with hovis got the covis got the covis yeah well there you go so um i see you if you are laying up with covid take plenty of rest which i'm going to try and do after this but lou what have you got yes, what are you yes. drinking while we're listening while you're while we're chatting and what are you listening to what are you drinking at home while you're listening to this i'm tea? drinking my tea in my okay. twat mug in your twat mug um Yes, we went to see Dawn French. That's another story. We'll, we'll talk about that next week, shall we, Lou? Yeah, um, yes. Um, so I've got tea as well. But did you know, Lou, that the good the good cuppa has long been a great British institution? Putting the kettle on has become um, almost synonymous with being a shoulder to cry on, isn't it? It's kind of oh, come here, let's put the kettle on. Um, it's a cure all, isn't it, it? It is. It's more than just a drink, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's sort of saying, I'm here for you. Everything will be okay, isn't it? It's, you know, that kind of thing. But latest research suggests that coffee has overtaken the traditional cuppa as the UK's favourite drink. Yes. According to the British Coffee Association, Britons drink about 98 million cups of coffee each day. Cafe culture has continued to boom on the high street with 80% of people who go to the coffee shops doing so at least once a week and 16% visiting daily. Who can afford them, to go daily? That's them Costas <laughs> and Starbucks, isn't it? Yes. I suppose you, well, you sometimes go daily to hang time. Well, don't I you? do, because but it's, it's part of my dog walk. For That's four, a bit of self-care, isn't four, it? Four mornings a week, yeah, part of my dog walk. I get a coffee from an independent coffee shop, not from a from a big from a big corporate conglomerate corporate yes. thingy. Well, now there's there's not a lot in it though, but according to Statista, <clears throat> a global consumer survey, um, which had two thousand four hundred respondents, sixty three percent of consumers said they regularly drank coffee, and fifty nine percent regularly having tea. Um, and researchers at Kantar also found that shoppers bought more than 
packs of coffee in the supermarkets over the year to March 2023 compared with 20 sorry 287 million packs of tea but I, I, most people have both don't they yeah. I have a bit of both I mean I, I was, if you were pushed what would you if you were on a desert island and you could only have one what would it be tea tea yeah me too and, and you know I was surprised as well because a girl I, I work with she's just had a baby and when she was looking at prams and she was showing me all these pictures of these very, very gorgeous prams. Um, they all had like latte holders. No. Yeah. So, so you now, so you've got your bougie pram with your gorgeous baby and all your little bit underneath where you can put, well, it used to be shopping, but I don't know what it is now. And then you've got like a little it's cup. Your of packs of coffee. It's all your, your, packs your of bloody lattes. We never had that, did we? I mean, we used to just hang shopping off ours mine was just a glorified shopping trolley with, that just happened to have children in it oh mine was and once <clears throat> once mine tipped up right as I was crossing the road <laughs> I let go of yeah. it and it tipped right up with the kids the weight of the shopping yeah the weight of the shopping I'm surprised did it also have a little um um apple phone holder probably probably yeah. just so you can have to do you you know my god how things have changed oh haven't they just oh I don't think that's for the better but I mean, it's nice to have a drink. Maybe you could put your water in there as well as your coffee. Anyway, I don't want to be judgmental. No, no, absolutely. <clears throat> if it's easier, go for it. But yes, yeah. I was, I was Kel surprised at that. I can tell I you. Well, have you ever wondered, Lou, what your coffee choice says about you? Oh, I, well, you see, I'm, I'm probably wet and weak because I always have a latte because I coffee doesn't do too well on my tummy. So mm. I, I love, so I, I have a latte. Right. Okay. Well, let's find out. Another bit of research, this time by coffee and donut brand Dunking UK, looked at this, uh, looked at exactly this. They took a poll of 2000 coffee lovers and this is what they found. So Lou's just said she likes a latte. So if you're a latte person, this means you're a people pleaser. I don't think so. I don't give a fuck about it. She's not anymore. Maybe maybe no. she was at one one time. She doesn't give a fuck <laughs> about people not about now. other people <laughs> well I'm an Americano and I I drink a black Americano um, Americano it said it found straight talkers Americano drinkers are comfortable in their own skin and those who drink non-dairy coffee are introverted moralizers mm, I don't think oh. that's me but there you go um, double espressos drinkers describe themselves as well-traveled well-read or as having a university degree notice they describe uh, themselves as oh my god how about a mocha frocca frappuccino oh well a mocha frocca frappuccino 20 percent of those surveyed said that they enjoy a mocha a coffee and a chocolate mix if you don't know what that is and most likely to think of themselves as having sex appeal oh well do you know what i just think coffee and and chocolate together no wrong no, have it separately. Enjoy them both. Yeah, I love, but oh, I love a hot times. chocolate and I like me, well, one coffee a day, but not together. Not, not together, no. Flavoured coffee. A massive 40% no. of people in the survey uh, have such as hazelnut or caramel. Describe themselves as hilarious. <laughs> why? If you're drinking coffee and why are you bastardising your coffee with a flavour? Well, what, what, what is the point? I, I see no point. Some people like, do you remember um, lovely Lisa, the transplant Lisa had a 
but she oh, couldn't drink she, she hated the taste of it so i get that 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 exactly. was easier and they gave that's her the energy. why maybe that's why people want the bit of caffeine a little shot of caffeine but they hate it so they have they shove a load of, you've got to be careful because those flavored ones have got about 22 teaspoons of sugar in them yeah well there you go that's just starting and, me off on a rant well here we go we'll be here all day iced coffee likely to be the life and soul of the party or good lovers why well, I do like an iced coffee, so I'm going for that one rather than a you're gonna, you're gonna stick to I'm that. A you're lover. a good lover. Yeah. A flat white, honest and trustworthy. And the cappuccino people, most satisfied by life. The study also found that latte is the most popular coffee amongst the Brits, followed by a cappuccino and Americano. And the first cup of coffee of the day they found is the best 69% of those surveyed agreed with 55% of people saying they are too tired to function before having a hit of caffeine well I would say to them via Karen Newby um, go to bed earlier and have a decent breakfast instead and enjoy a nice coffee later with lunch that's what I'd say exactly Jen (laughs) so anyway now we know what types of people we are I'm going to straight talk to you how was your week Lou oh I'm a good lover no it's okay so I I had an interesting I've actually found it over the summer and forgot that I kept the article so I found it again so have you heard of crossbones graveyard or the single women's graveyard in London oh no but I like the sound of it I knew you would yes so I'm just going to read you my little my bits that I found out. Read so me your bits. I'm going to give you your bits yeah. via the Zoom. So London's first red light district was on the south side of the River Thames in Southwark. During the med- medieval era, they were the lands outside of the f- official London city limits. There were taverns, theatres, bear baiting and brothels. So that was out of the normal, you know, that was the yeah. dodgy area. Southwark is long. Sounds a bit like Exmouth Docks. It does, doesn't it? Yes, all, it's all happens down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my husband controls it all. So, um, <laughs> good lovers, see? Good lovers. Yes, he is the master. So, Southwark has long been a destination for sex workers from as far back as Roman times when Ro- Roman soldiers were invading um, England. Uh, but back in medieval London, Southwark was controlled by the Bishop of Winchester, one of the oldest and richest dioceses in England. One of the bishop's powers he had was the right to license and tax the sex workers who became known as the Winchester geese from supposedly bearing their white breasts to entice customers. Also, if you were bitten by a Winchester goose, this meant you had contracted a sexually transmitted disease such as gonorrhea or syphilis. Oh. In 1161, Henry II laid down 39 rules known as the ordinances touching the government of the stew holders. So stew holders were brothels. Um, in Southwark, Nothing to do with a nice beef stew. No, certainly not. In Southwark, under the direction of the Bishop of Winchester... The rules made sure um, the sex workers were able to come and go at will, required that all new workers were registered, restricted their activities on religious holidays, prevented nuns and married women from joining. They banned cursing and prohibited the women from taking their own lovers for free. They were like, what are they called? Pimps? 
Hints, that's the word I was looking for. So when the sex workers died, they had to be buried. And this was obviously without a Christian burial because, you know, they they were not not seen as, as good people. And they had to be buried far from a parish church in unconsecrated land. So the plot that they were buried in became known as a single women's graveyard. Now, the stews or the brothels closed down at the dawn of the Victorian era and the burial site was renamed Crossbones um, Graveyard, um, which was and it was repurposed as a pauper's graveyard. And the graveyard now sits at the corner of Red Cross Street in Southwark. The graveyard was practically forgotten until about the 1990s when work started on the Jubilee line. Oh, the tube line. Um, and they had to put an electrical station in there. So once the, the bones had been uncovered, um, they started to go back, go back over the history. And today there's been a group that have been working to secure funding to preserve the space as one of one of reflection and remembrance. So that is a story of the single women's graveyard in London. And I found some lovely pictures that we'll send over and put on um on the gram where actually there's a whole um wall with a lot of ribbons and um there's a plaque as well commemorating it so it's it's not been forgotten these well, women that's that's good good for those people that have you know that, that are remembering it and keeping it there and keeping those you know flames burning because it's it's important and that's part yeah. of part of history women's history is history after all absolutely isn't it? absolutely I thought you'd enjoy that a little yeah, bit yeah no that's good and why, why do some people say Southwark and and some people say Southwark maybe it's Southwark but I, I was just pronouncing it as I'd spelt it I think you can do both I know but yeah. anyway interesting any of you Londoners let us know what do you say yeah and have you visited yes have you visited and if you do take a photo and send us um yeah but yeah, that'd be good. We'll be putting some of that on Insta next week, Lou, won't we? We will. Holly McComish is an author, producer and women's health ambassador from East London. At the age of 25, Holly suffered a stroke due to the combined contraceptive pill and became determined to publish a poetry book that could raise awareness around women's health issues. And in January this year, her debut book, If Tits Could Talk, was published. <laughs> Holly's book is a fun and relatable poetry collection that also holds important health messages. The book uses wit, rhyme and vibrant illustrations to discuss smear tests, contraception, STIs, menopause and the need to be breast aware and more. It is the perfect read for any woman. Holly's work was discovered and platformed by the world-renowned poet Rupi Kaur and has been praised by the likes of Davina McCall and Dame Kelly Holmes as well as numerous women's health charities such as Copperfield and the Pink Ribbon Foundation. If Tits Could Talk is now currently stocked in over 50 independent bookshops across Yay. the UK. <laughs> <laughs> should be more. So Holly joins us, joins us today to talk about all of this and to read us some of her wonderful poetry. Welcome, Welcome Holly. Hello. 
<laughs> Lovely to meet you at last. Seems a long oh. time ago we got this book and we're looking yeah. through it. And a little handwritten message we had in them. I know. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. So thank, thank you, you for so much. No, no problem. And congratulations on your debut book, If Tips Could Talk. And we love it, Lou, don't we? We've been, we we've been reading bits do. and bobs. We, we kind of think it reads as though you take us on a journey with the poems when you read them it's a bit like you know when you get a good album and you get one you listen to them in the correct order rather than just yeah. picking them out your poems for, for us were a bit like that if you read them in the order not that you have to folks you could pick pick and choose um but they take us on this journey beginning with worries of being pregnant stds period sex and then how difficult it is choosing contraception um, eventually then going on the pill and then the stroke you had at 25 so can you tell us uh, about the how old are you now Holly actually I'm actually turning 27 on Friday wow so, on Friday yes. oh, good we've got the birthday Friday. girl how exciting we've yeah. got the birthday girl <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you tell us um uh, about the combined pill uh, the stroke and its mm. impact on you so again like lots and lots of um young women I was aware that I needed to go on some contraception I was in a happy relationship and not looking to get pregnant anytime soon so I knew that I needed to get on something um and it was kind of in a bit of a weird time because we were still sort of in lockdown vibes but um mm kind of not it was a bit like the GPs weren't seeing people in person so you have to do everything over the phone and I'll hold my hands up and say you know like I didn't really know that much about contraception at the time about all the different methods and kind of all of the you know implications of all of them there's a lot mm -hmm. out there and ultimately yeah. we're not really told about it in school maybe we're shown how to put a condom on a banana but that's kind of about it to be honest in regards to my personal experience anyway so yeah I didn't really know where to do um, where to start I kind of asked a couple of friends what they were on and jumped on google for a bit but I just thought I'll just give my GP a ring and just see what they say um anyway I got um put on I expressed an interest in wanting to go on a pill they put me on um the combined contraceptive pill uh, the microgynin which has actually been the same pill for over what, 40 years I've been giving women it for 40 years which is... I was I was on it I was on it Holly so, and I, yeah. yeah I was on microgynin for years and I'm 54 so what and I went on it at, at 15 so what I think yeah <laughs> I think Davina, I think Davina McCall said something really um poignant she said how many iPhones have we had in the last 40 years but we've still <laughs> got the same pill that we're using from 40 years ago anyway um so yeah, I got put on that again. It was, um, you know, that it was a conversation over the phone. So I didn't even have blood pressure checked or height and weight, all your just general stuff that you're meant to have checked. Um, and obviously as well, I, another thing, I didn't particularly know that much about my family history, um, which again, I think, you know, is very hard sometimes to know what your backlog of family history is in regards to women's health. Um, anyway, so I got put on this pill and initially I was kind of fine and I thought um you know I started to feel after maybe a month or so I started to feel like I was getting quite bad headaches but I was just thinking you know my body's just adjusting it's probably just a side of that wasn't warned that if I you know had migraines or um if I started to feel a certain way then to come off it immediately um and then yeah so I started to have these headaches started to feel 
quite dizzy a lot of the time um but again just thought i'll skip i'll try it for say three months and then if it's not working we'll try something else and then yeah i was in a um like work meeting um and i all of a sudden just started to feel really really weird i, I was sat opposite someone and i felt like i couldn't see them very well suddenly and then i then i felt like i can hear them very well and they obviously just sat right in front of me um and then I really remember really distinctly, I went to pick up like a glass of water just to like try, because I was like, maybe you're just a bit nervous. I don't really know what's going on. Tried to have this glass of water and like the water just like fell out of my mouth onto the table. So that's when I was like, oh gosh, like I really don't know what's going on now because that's just like something that we take for granted being able to do, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then luckily someone that I was with and was they kind of were trying to communicate with me again I was having all of the classic stroke symptoms of like not being able to lift my arms up like not being able to speak like I was very just much just stuttering when when someone was trying to ask me if I was okay luckily I was with someone who like was able to recognize those symptoms and saw that half my face had dropped as well okay. um, so they were able to see that really clearly luckily and like we're able to call an ambulance yeah it was really 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 scary like I can talk about it quite easily now I think just because yeah. some past and it's almost just something that you kind of just have to accept as being part of your story um but yeah it was the most scariest thing that's ever happened to me like I generally thought am I just passing away like what's happening like I've never like I'm a fit healthy young girl like why is this happening um so yeah it was awful 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 experience um and then yeah I just had to go under loads of investigations um the first thing they asked me they were like are you on any contraception and I was like yes and they said which one and I said the combined contraceptive pill and they honestly the woman just looked at me she was like oh you need to come off that straight away you need to come off that straight away and I was just like right so yeah I mean it's very odd um because no one can really say you know, oh, it's 100% this, right. it was 100% pill, but again, like, even doctors were saying to me, sort of, like, on the side, just being, like, listen, like, don't take that ever again. Um, no, and it's weird, that's the first question, one of the first things they asked yeah. you is, are you taking the contraceptive yeah. so they, pill? So they it's clearly something have an come awareness of it. Yeah, it's yeah. clearly they've got an awareness of it. Um, so, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it went under loads of investigation, found out that I do have a family history of like blood clotting, but like quite far back, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I have that history. And I also have something called, which is quite a common thing to have. It's called like a PFO. So it's basically where you have like a small, everyone's born basically with like a small hole in their heart. It's just like a natural thing when you're born. And, most people it closes up naturally some people it can stay open a little bit but it's not dangerous or particularly dangerous unless you have something like a blood clot mm. uh, then that's how it happened basically so I had a blood clot from the contraceptive pill um because that's one of the really big side effects of it the, um, the combined one and then yeah that snuck through that hole basically and into my brain so that's actually how it happened wow. um yeah, and just what really scared me as well is because when I was kind of asking about, then when they said, oh, no, you know, the PFOs aren't, one in four people have them. And I was just like, okay, so if one in That's four people huge. have them. And, like, we're just handing out this pill to young girls that they don't know if they've got this or not. 
and it's carries such a big risk of blood clots like that's a bit of a problem like and then I went on to the heart surgery um to close the hole because obviously you know if I was, was to get pregnant one day you know I don't want to have any more issues in regards to that so yeah I went and had heart surgery and then decided it was time to move on with my life so I started writing a book. <laughs> Fantastic. Can we just go back to your, so you had yeah. the heart surgery. Before the heart surgery, did they, did you have to do, did you have to sort of relearn things? Did your stroke affect, how, did it do very much damage yeah, or did so, they catch it very quickly? So they caught it very, very quickly, which is, which is why I always say I'm so glad that it happened around other people, even though it was quite like humiliating and traumatizing to happen in a public space but at the same time if that had just happened to me like in my room I don't think I would have known what that was like I would have probably just a different walked. outcome wouldn't it yeah and then it probably would have kept happening and kept happening mm. and like really scared to think that how it would have gone that way um so yeah I was really lucky in the sense that I was quite um I say maybe for like maybe like a week or so afterwards like um I just had my memory was like really quite bad like um, was really struggling struggling to kind of like put my thoughts together um and like some of my like left side of my responses were like a little bit slower but they did manage to like because they caught it quickly they did manage to like that did eventually just balance out again so are you okay now have you got any any lasting symptoms or all over no i'm actually i'm luckily absolutely fine I'm really really lucky um no lasting symptoms um and yeah now I've had the heart surgery it's just kind of giving me that peace of mind to be like okay like you're all good what, what, fantastic what that's great tra news traumatic thing to go to so so tell us why you wanted to write this book and, and have you always written poetry as well Holly yeah so um so I'm again I'm a creative I studied theatre at university um and on that course there was a module called like performance as poetry and I was like oh that sounds kind of cool like maybe I'll just take that took that um and obviously we were tasked with like writing some poems and one of the poems that I wrote was if tits could talk um so I wrote <laughs> that poem I really actually a lot of people don't know this but I actually wrote that poem a really, really long time ago um and just yeah I did the poem and kind of didn't really think that much of it I was only like 20 at the time um over lockdown um, again no one had anything to do really and what someone messaged me and said um oh Ruby Cause like doing an open mic night like for lockdown on her Instagram like you should submit um your poem like you should submit your poem and I just thought oh you know what else have I got to do <laughs> fine and then um submit that poem and then yeah she selected it out of like I think a thousand over a thousand like entries to the thing so I just thought, hang on a minute, like I might be on something here. I was like, God, maybe they weren't all just, you know, like saying it was yeah. good for take of it. I was service. Like, yeah. 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 I was like, that's that okay. I was like, cool. So then I performed on her Instagram. And then yeah, that's when I first started getting some attention for my work. Um, yeah, it went quite um, got loads and loads of media attention. Um and yeah, I got to do some really cool things with it. I did like a breast cancer awareness advert with Pink Ribbon. Um, and just, yeah, just got some really nice attention with it. But it was only after, and then that kind of happened. And then as life does, it kind of just passed. And then I kind of it's just like that. Then it goes like that, doesn't it? Yeah, literally, literally. So then I just carried on doing my normal stuff. Um, 
But then obviously when this happened to me, and I was quite, I think one of the biggest knock-on effects was like, to be honest, to like my medical anxiety and like confidence, to be honest, because I was just so terrified that that was going to happen again because it just happened so randomly. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do I know it's not going to happen again? And like, it was in a really hard time as well. We were still wearing masks. And I was like, how is anyone going to know if there's anything wrong with me if I'm like out in public? Like, it was really, really bad. And I was really struggling to go out by myself. So I was spending a lot of time inside. And I was like, okay, like, what can I do? Like, I don't just want to sit here and do nothing. And I was like, maybe I should just start writing about it. So I started writing about the experience. And then I kind of was kind of making a link. And I was like, "Mm, I feel like I'm kind of touching quite a lot on women's health and like what I'm writing with. And I was like, maybe I should just keep rolling with that. Because yeah, I feel like it is something that isn't particularly spoken about targeting like I guess young women in a way like in like a fun and relatable engaging way like can often be quite serious let's try and make it a bit more accessible and lighthearted and fun so I just thought yeah I want to put something together and I want to have something I want to try and flip this on its head basically Mm -hmm. because it was a horrible time Mm -hmm. for me and it would be amazing if I could do something cool off the back of it and raise awareness and just do something to kind of like balance out that horrible time so that was yeah. what I did. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think I think that's brilliant. And and often it it takes some sort of trauma or tragedy tragedy for good things to come out of. Um because yeah. I think there's not enough awareness. You, the way you spoke about your, you know, the the education you had. I mean, this is what Lou and I said. We only had a, a cucumber and a condom, you know. Uh, and, and, and we're talking, you know, 40 odd years ago and it still hasn't changed microgynon you know our next question we were going to ask you that you mentioned earlier on um Davina McCall's um pill documentary that you were you were part of that weren't you Holly yes I had a connection with it yeah I wasn't in it but yeah I was kind of you had a connection with it I thought you did and and she as you said she she mentioned um microgynon in there that I was on um would you like I mean obviously you'd like to see this change and um I I think I think this book could be you know part of that change I really do I think if this was sort of in the curriculum mm. <laughs> and at least you know given to girls at a decent sort yeah. of time it, it's mad isn't it like you say yeah. how many iPhones we've had how many inventions there's there's been you know so since then women's health aren't you so it's never you know bottom it's bottom of the yeah. list isn't it yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's horrible it's horrific I, I definitely like to obviously I'm I'm hugely um a huge advocate for things changing in regards to funding for women's health firstly because that's obviously where it's kind of got to start um and yeah I I don't think it's good enough that we're on literally on the same contraception that we've had for over 40 years it's ridiculous and I also just think more kind of um before we even put girls on contraception we should be almost there should be almost like more of a deep dive into their background their family history um and I'd really like to be like to see something done in related to PFOs to be honest because like I said one in four people have a PFO like how how the hell like how can we huge it is that's a that's a big number of that's a big number of girls isn't it yeah and I just think like again it would have to come from funding but like is there no way of doing if a, if a girl was expressing an interest of wanting to go on something like I don't know the pill um is there a way of you know us doing heart scans or yeah. 
something of that kind or again if we have a better understanding way of understanding people's backgrounds or helping people to find out that information themselves then yeah. they can know to stay clear of it I don't know uh, but uh, I yeah think... I agree and I also think that we all should have much more awareness you know because it doesn't sound like things have changed that we never knew I never knew that when I didn't take the pill for six days that the bleed wasn't a period that's not yeah. that's just a pill bleed it's not a period so you think oh yeah my periods are regular but that's it's nothing it's just yeah. it's such a separate thing and I think some explanation to girls at, at school or wherever of, of actually what the pill is is doing mm. um we just thought I mean it is a great thing the pill don't get me wrong contraception is great for women isn't it but um mm -hmm. I, I we need we need to know the truth don't we yeah, we need to be able to make informed decisions. That's what I've always, always and say to people. Like, I'm not in any way, you know, wanting to put people off contraception, like, at all. I think it's amazing. I'm on a different contraception now. Like, but it's about finding the right one for you. And in order to do that, we need to have all of the information um, in order, to, again, in order to make those informed decisions. Yeah, how yeah. how familiar does it sound, Lou, with HRT, doesn't it? So years later, still going through the same things yeah. now. Hopefully, by the time you reach that stage, yeah, we, uh, we Holly, hopefully we just sorted all that out sorted. for you, Holly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> bless you. <laughs> so, um, as we said in the intro, you cover a lot of women's health issues in your poems. Yeah. How did you choose your subjects? And which were the easiest and quickest to write? That's quite it's quite a loaded question, mm -hmm. but yeah. So you know what so, the tits could talk that was that yeah was you know about that one. yeah about the and one about contraception as well do you know what's so funny it's because like I'd write a poem when I had the idea for the poem they'd always cut the poem would actually come really quickly but it was having the idea that would take a while to think of like I was very very selective I was like I really just want every single poem to really just hit, you know, like I don't want anything in there that's just going to be a bit eh or just not really be the style, my style. I wanted to keep my really, a really distinct style and voice through all the poems. So I really tried not to force like any poems about anything basically. So yeah, the longest part of it was actually just thinking of the idea. But if I'm being 100% honest, lots of it has been based either around my own experiences or experiences of people around me like um yeah there was a horrific time basically where I had terrible terrible cystitis in the flat and me and all my I live with two girls and we had to pull together to like sort me out and get me the antibiotics and it was a nightmare and then I think I almost just said I think I almost just said as a joke at the time I said oh like I'm having cystitis crisis like I'm having a crisis and then I was like oh Oh, I like, hmm, like actually be, and we were, again, we were kind of talking, we were like, oh, like it's such a, this, something like this, it's such a bane for women, like men could never understand, like this is just so rough for us, this side of things. And I thought, ah, oh, that's my idea for a poem. And then as soon as I've got the idea, I can kind of just work with it because, yeah, I just kind of feel like that part of it actually came to me quite quickly. So, yeah I'm just I'm just looking in your book for that because I did have a bookmark but it's disappeared but that is one of our favorites I, I think that is really it? It, absolutely it. It, it really hits hits the spot I mean I think so many people that that will resonate with I think as women oh. get older you have them or UTIs and things all through your life don't you but yeah I think as, as you get older as well people sort of tend to get them more and more 
Yeah. And also, you just, it just made me think as well, like, again, cystitis, it's just not spoken about. The first no. time I had it, I literally was like, what is this? Like, rang yeah. my mom. I was like, oh, my God, like, what's happening to me? Am I dying? And she was like, no, you're not. Um, and I just thought, God, like, why don't we just speak about this? Like, it's something that affects all of us, but it's almost seen as this, like, embarrassing I know. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll te- yeah, it is yeah. another taboo. I'll tell you a story. When my when my two uh, two eldest now they were tiny, um, and Millie was about um, five, I think, and and Jack was a bit younger. I was meeting my um, in law, my sister in law, and brother in law for the first time. Um, anyway, cut a long story short, we were meeting in London, and there was a swimming pool at um, at the place we were staying, and. Um, so my sister-in-law was on the phone talking to my daughter saying, oh, is mummy, is mummy coming to the swimming pool? And my daughter said, no, mummy's not coming. She's got itchy bits. Because <laughs> I had cystitis. <laughs> I had cyst- and I'd never <laughs> met them before. I'd not never met them bit. before. <laughs> no, she's, no, never, she's got crabs. itchy bits. <laughs> yes, she probably thought, oh my God, who is this woman? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know even now I think oh I should have even if she was only five I should have just said I've got cystitis perhaps an itchy bit but um either way <laughs> I think it, it is it is taboo taboo subjects that needs to be sort of spoken about um so yeah. we we absolutely love um which I think you're going to read to us a minute uh, in a minute our favorite obviously was going to be a menopause poem <laughs> um but it's um something's wrong with mum and it's brilliant because it's obviously written from a daughter's perspective, yeah. which I think is absolutely fantastic. But before you recite that, Holly, what what have you got any favourites in the book? Anything that sort of stands out to you? Um, that's a really good question. I really like Sporty Chick, um, the one about young girls in sport. Yeah. I feel like, again, my favourites kind of alternate Um they can always alternate but yeah I really really like Sporty Chick um because that was again that was something that I really felt as a young girl real embarrassment and kind of like shying away from sports when hitting that kind of puberty age and I just think yeah it holds like a really really important message for young girls of that kind of age um and yeah I just it does you're right I can't I can't think of the statistic now but there's there's a huge percentage of girls that give up sport around that age yeah you see she knows that I knew it's it's huge isn't it yeah you know it's good to see that they're changing even in uh like women's sport in women's football Mm -hmm. taking away the white shorts and that sort of thing yeah I love that yeah um but I, I love, I, I love this, the cement, the smear. You've got the cervical smear. Yeah, no, that's a great smear one. Smear fear. Yeah. Yeah, smear fear, um, classic. He's yeah. Drunk queens as well. I love that yeah. one. Yeah. It oh, starts off so happy and then it goes, it gets that twist, isn't it? About yeah. the disappearing girls at the end. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I thought that was a good one to end on, even though it's, it's you know, it's like I said, the ending's quite, I feel like it leaves it on quite a poignant note. The, That's the my favourite today. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a different one tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to leave people thinking, isn't it? You know, with that last Absolutely. one, it does make people think. And I love that even the taboo subject of women masturbating, that's yeah. even in there, which is which is brilliant because I think a lot of even young girls now feel that that is a bit of a no-no, yeah. don't they? Yeah, it's, or it's just a bit of a boys' club or just, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's what I felt. 
Yeah, again, yeah. I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a brilliant book, Holly. Yeah, it, it really is. is. And so when you're ready, um, Holly's written this wonderful poem um, called Something's Wrong with Mum. Um, and she is going to recite it for us. Yes, I am. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, so this is Something's Wrong with Mum, and I'd like to dedicate it to my lovely mum, who oh. was the inspiration behind the poem. Lovely. What's your mum's name, Holly? Her name's Sarah. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with mum. She's not herself today. Flustered and forgetful, she seems lost for things to say. Something's wrong with mum. She's been in a right old mood. Doesn't want to go to work and is on and off of food. Something's wrong with mum. She's just bought some red hair dye. I'm trying something new. She snaps at me when I ask why. She stops stocking tampons in our bathroom drawer. Says I'll have to buy my own for she won't need them anymore. Something's wrong with mum. At night I hear her crying. Can't sleep for her sheet seat sheet with sweat. She'll deny this, but she's lying. She lies in dark rooms with cold flannels on her head. And randomly at 2pm, she'll take herself to bed. She's hot and she's cold and keeps running to the loo. When I ask what's wrong, she smiles and says, one day you'll feel this too. Something's wrong with mum. Says she's going through some changes. I hope they finish soon. She's been like this for bloody ages. Yet over time, I start to see the biggest change in mum. She's finally joined the gym and signed up for that 10K run. She started singing, writing, painting, dancing, just to name a few. All the things she's always loved but said she'd never do. Although the change was hard, one that women must see through, since mum's crossed the finish line, it's made her feel brand new. That Fantastic. is going to resonate with so oh. many women. I oh. love it. I had, I had goosebumps with you reading oh. that, Holly. I think. And, and did your mum? Is your mum like that? Has she got through it? Okay. And has she? Is she sort of doing lots of things that she that she wanted to do? It is, and it honestly just makes me oh, so just happy because yeah, I, I, the inspiration for the poem really came from, I was quite young basically when my mum was going through menopause and obviously I had no idea at the time because it wasn't something that, you know, she just what decided that was she wanted to say at the time. So yeah, um, yeah so I was quite young. So I, that's why I wanted to write the perspective from kind of like a daughter's perspective that doesn't really know what's going on but she's observe, observing some definite changes in her mum and then when I decided when I was writing this book obviously fast forward however many years when I decided when I was writing this book I was like I'm going to talk to my mum about like her experience of menopause um, and the one thing I really took from that conversation which I hopefully have captured in the poem is that you know she was saying yeah obviously you know like talking about all the symptoms and all of the side effects but she said that something that she doesn't feel they've spoken about that much is the kind of new lease of life that she felt once she got on the other side of it she was like I felt amazing like just felt ha had all this new energy wanted to start doing all of these new things and just I feel like that's not celebrated enough and it's all kind of um quite centered around like feeling horrible which obviously is completely valid but I think in wanting to have kind of like a positive spin on it I really took that from that conversation and just thought, yeah, I'm going to obviously mention um, all of the things that I was clocking when I was younger and all these things yeah. that do obviously affect women going through it. But also I'm going to acknowledge the real kind of change and like yeah. 
lovely change that I saw in my mum. Like she gets the choir now, which is so cute. She sings in a choir. She never would have done that like years ago. And like, yeah, she goes like swimming. And yeah, she's just a legend. Brilliant. So, she's so she's got newfound freedom and yeah. confidence. Yeah. And and that must be that must be so lovely for you to see because a lot of people say now, oh God, I'm afraid of menopause and you know they fear yeah. it. But now now you have spoken to your mum and without doing this book, that conversation may never have never hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, and your oh. observations are really valid as well. They they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant spot observations. On. Yeah, they are. They are. They really resonate. <laughs> Yeah, love it, love it. So finally, Holly, what would you like people to take away from your book? There's a loaded question. Oh, um, what I want people to take away? I guess I want to remove almost like the kind of embarrassment around some of these topics. Like we were talking about kind of like masturbation and cystitis. And I just want people to... Yeah, I want younger, I'm, my kind of girls, I want kind of young girls to read the book and just be like, do you know what, like someone's actually spoken about that. And now, you know, if that happens to me, I almost have a bit of a reference point. Um, and yes, I kind of want to remove that embarrassment. I want the book to make people laugh. I want it to remind, I hope it reminds, you know, women of important women in their lives and, and kind of, yeah, just draws attention to the issues that we go through and the things that we do have to face and kind of just raising that awareness about the whole kind of spectrum of it all. Like I said, from, you know, pregnancy scares to contraception to menopause. Yeah. We go through a lot. We go through a lot. It's hard, it's hard. Yeah. to be a woman, you know? So, yeah. yeah. It's a full-time job. Yeah, and I think the way that I wanted the book to be is like, it's obviously quite a light read and I want it to be something that people can just kind of go back into and just, you know, like... Buy and buy it for someone, an important woman in their a woman in their life. I'd love, I'd love for that to be like a thing. Yeah, I think so. I think it's great yeah. if you've got any like nieces, you know, yeah. or, you know, um, <clears throat> or if you've got teens, you know, a sort of young teen um, or older teen. Because I think if you, like you say, you can pick bits out, and something might happen to you six months later. You think, oh, I'm sure it was in that book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that burning. What was that burning? And it might be uh -huh. the first thing, first time they've spoken about it, might it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's no, that's brilliant. Love it. Yeah, and it's been fabulous to talk to you as well, Holly. Thank you. Oh, thank it's you been lovely. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. It's glad that we got to do it. Yeah, brilliant. Where can where can people find you? Where can people buy the book first of all, and where can yes, people find so you? People can buy the book currently on Amazon. Um, so you can buy on Amazon. Um, it's hilariously um the because it's obviously got a rude word in the title, if tits could talk. Um, it actually got branded as like an adult My God, you said tits. Which is just hilarious. I just thought uh, that is just honestly Patriarchy so comical. So, it's, so it, it's basically, if you want to find it, search if tits could talk Amazon on Google search because you might struggle to find it if you search it directly on Amazon. It's kind of a bit of a weird one. We'll, we'll put a Not link sure. in our, we'll put the whole yeah. link in our Perfect. show yeah. notes, Holly, for anyone that wants Thank to have you. a look. Um, but yeah, but I'm also very much actively getting it into a lot of bookshops. So it's currently in 50. There's some in London, Edinburgh, Liverpool, Manchester, Devon, um, 
a long, long list. So, but independent specifically because I published the book myself. So mm. it's all coming from me. Um, mm. So yeah, so yeah. So if anyone's got a nice independent bookstore near them that hasn't got Holly's book, um, maybe you could uh, send yeah, go them a and link. request it. Go yeah. and request well, go it. And, go in and request it. They'll order it for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Brilliant. And you're on Instagram. Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm big on Instagram, actually. So my Instagram is Holly, H-O-L-L-Y underscore McComish, M-C-C-O-M-I-S-H. Post lots of women's health related content on there. So definitely give me a follow if that sounds like a bit of you. Fantastic, Holly. Oh, we, we could talk for ages, but we know you've got things, important things to do. Um, <laughs> so thank you again, Holly. You've been an absolute star. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. So our book collective, 12 Moons, A Year Under a Shared Sky by Caro Giles. So we're reading chapter one. Um, which is the wolf moon, isn't it? It is the wolf moon. I absolutely love it. <laughs> the wolf moon is the first full moon of the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, she also wrote this, I think, reading through in 2021 at the beginning of like a, the second lockdown, didn't she? So, and I, I just, I just love how how Caro uses the meaning of the word of wolf moon, um, which means it offers us a greater opportunity of deep and self-reflection and that's how she starts her memoir isn't it so from the present and then she goes back into her past she starts delving into her past a little bit Um, and she goes back to her 18 year old self and reflects where life has now taken her I really enjoyed you know really enjoyed the juxtaposition of the two yeah I know what you mean because we do find out quite a lot in quite a small chapter don't we she she fits a lot in yes and she, we find out, I, I love the way she writes. She tells us things by telling us the opposite almost, if you know what I mean. By telling us what hasn't happened, we know what has happened. And yeah. I, I love the way she writes about the darkness of the moon as a cloak around her aching shoulders and how she feels invincible in these early hours whilst others sleep. So she, we find out that she loves getting up really early because she's got four girls on her own um and that is her time her time and maybe her time with the moon as well isn't it yeah Um, and she talks about it um being um sort of common to feel disconnected and emotional around the full moon um and this comforts her in a way a bit like what jenny was saying last week isn't it if we recognize that that when we feel sort of a bit disconnected that it might be to do with the moon um what you said last week we know that it doesn't last forever we don't have to go down that path of oh or it's it's all cyclical isn't it yeah it is and when she when she goes from from because it's it's so beautiful I mean the bit I absolutely loved was when when she does go back and we learn about her at drama school Mm. when she was just barely 18 years old and she she talks about her sort of younger drunk self wearing her flimsy white skirt, yeah. which was thin and short. I didn't know how lovely I was, confident enough to show all of my arms and legs, but naive enough not to understand the consequences of naked skin. I thought I held all the power, 
but I didn't have a clue how to play with it. How, and that sums up so many girls, doesn't it, it? It really does. It really does. Yeah. She's she's and that's how she sort of how she met her husband, wasn't it? In the, yeah. In the nightclub. Um, and, you know, she she also because she was dancing up in a cage wasn't she at one point yeah and um again this is sort of similar to what you were saying in that quote Lou she she said she thought she was a winner but now she suspects she was just the prize I know I underline that because I loved I love that and she was just the you are just yeah. the prize we, we learn so much in this chapter don't we and we yeah. and we also learn that that classic line that we now use quite a lot that we've kind of um, pinched from from Caro, writing yourself back onto the page. And she tells us how she feels a little lost, especially in, in, as the darkness lifts and her protective cloak uh, is gone. Um, and we learn that she's, she, so she's getting divorced now from this husband that she met in the nightclub. Um, and she's full of intention with this new moon, isn't she? Full of intention yeah. for the new year. Um, and then two weeks later, um, like most New Year resolutions, good intentions have fallen by by the wayside. Um, and she opens a bottle of wine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And, we and get... it's the chocolate. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we get a sense of what the moon means to Carol on page eight, um, where she where she writes, um, I want to be made to feel small under this moon, part of something huge. Often I am made to feel small by other people who listen but do not hear as if I speak a language they cannot understand. My words and actions do not always fit the narrative they are committed to, leaving me diminished and confused. When I stand and stare up at the moon, I can imagine kindred spirits doing the same and I feel less alone. And that's rather lovely, isn't it? There's a different yeah. way of, there's a way of feeling small that people can kind of make you feel small, but there's a way of feeling small in nature, which is actually quite a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so sort of rounding up that chapter, it's sort of about change really, isn't it, Lou? Yeah, it is. And it's better and it's comfort. It's also comfort for her as well, isn't it? Because at, yeah. the, at the end, and she said, you know, she looks around for some, she, I felt really, this is where she feels lonely because she, she's, you know, the moon comes out as she's, she's been driving. And she says, I look around for someone to share the moment with, but it's just yeah. me, a woman gazing at the wolf moon, still yeah. rising and completely free of the clouds. And that's her rising, rising up and being free from her shackles as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's that sort of attitude of we may not always end up where we think we're going to be, you know, but it's but it's OK, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. And as Jenny said last week, perhaps it's all it's all for a reason. It's all written in the stars. All written. It's all there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we'd love but, to hear what you thought of the um, yes. of this first chapter. And um, we should be reading chapter two the snow moon or the storm moon or the ice moon there's a few different words for each moon but she she's gone with with the her, her meaning so chapter two the snow moon fantastic look forward to reading that foodie collective gin so we're doing soups we are and you've got something for our little mini heat wave that probably well, won't be a heat wave by Sunday by the time this comes out. We'll probably no. need jumpers and scarves and hats. It'll be sweater weather by then, but never <laughs> mind. If it does, if you do get another heat wave, um, I chose because we were doing soups and I thought I can't be doing an autumn-y soup. Um, so I have got the ultimate gazpacho. I don't know if you like cold soups, um, but this, I mean, 
it's so good for me at the moment with COVID. It's, it's so much vitamin, so many vitamins in it, and it tastes delicious and it's lovely on my throat. Can I see a picture? Oh, oh, you can see the actual. I'm showing. Oh yes. Well, I thought it's going to be clear. No, well, you can do it. Depends how much you blend it. It's all in the blending. Mine, I've done quite thick, um, and it's still got some nice little sort of bits of tomato and that in it I, I, like, I like bits I like bits in it too and you could mine's quite thick but you can add some you know more stock or water and I, my recipe is from um online and it's a recipe from cookie and kate and it's a plant-based and it's a gluten-free um gazpacho now traditionally this uh gazpacho, spanish gazpacho has bread white bread in it you know blended through oh, it yeah. um a, I didn't have any white bread, and B, um, I thought it'd be quite nice. This is gluten free. Obviously, if you put the bread in it, it's going to be gluten. Um, so um, this, I have also got a glut of tomatoes. I've got so many tomatoes. They are, yeah, they're beautiful. You took some, didn't you? I stole week? some. Stole some, and they and they are lovely. Um, so it's basically like a big salad really all blended up it's tomato loads of tomatoes I'd say that was a majority um there's a whole cucumber in it obviously peeled and de-seeded um there's an onion um I didn't have any celery but there is a little bit of would-be celery in there a bit of salt and pepper um and a red bell pepper and basically it's that just blended all up um and I'm gonna try a little bit now you can't try it Luke can you because we're I can't I'm gonna I'm just watching her over the old zoom I tell you what it's so fresh and you have to have it very cold I mean iced cold uh, yeah at least two hours in the fridge and mine's been in the fridge overnight I did it yesterday and I shall be enjoying this in a minute for my lunch because it is absolutely lovely um, so have a go at that. We will put the links uh, to Cookie and Kate on our show notes. Um, and Elle's, um, lovely Eleanor had a suggestion for next week's soup, Lou. So I don't know if we can have a go at this. She says, autumn soup has to be <laughs> our favourite. She says she makes spicy butternut squash, Ooh. lentil. Yeah, with lentils and carrot. Soup de loop, she calls it. So that's our, we're going to do soup de loop next week. WI. Now you said a fantastic WI about the card game, the solo card game, Patience. I did. Or I Solitaire, did. as some people call it. Patience, Solitaire, or always been Patience to me. me and too. before we talk about that, lovely listeners, uh, Rachel and Elena, have been doing well with their pocket lists, Lou. Oh, um, great. Yeah, they contacted us and said, Rachel said, my little pocket list over the summer was to have a good wardrobe clear out, a bit like you, Lou. She said she got rid of a load of stuff, much more than I would do normally with a clear out, with two bags for the charity shop and the rest I sold on Vinted, made a reasonable amount of money from it and only bought two new items on the app, which were things I'd been admiring on the original firm's website for a while. So was delighted to get them for a fraction of the price. We like that, don't we? Oh, I do very much like that. In current climes. Yes. Um, and Elena said she didn't write down a pocket list, but did enjoy coffee catch-ups and read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo on holiday. Oh, uh, now I, that's on my list to read. It? Let me know how you got on with that, Els. Yes. Yes. She's, I, think she's, I think she liked it. And she said coffee catch-ups 
two, but no, <clears throat> but we'll do one monthly at a pocket list. She means uh, for sure. Fab idea, and it is right. Write it down because otherwise it doesn't. It doesn't get done. Did you manage a game of patience, Lou? I did, and I didn't win. Oh, didn't you? No, I got it. Got stuck. But I had an interesting little. Again, going back to Al's, she she sent a little video over of the late a lady shuffling. Okay. And I actually, I said to her, well, my mum is that the the absolute worst shuffler you will ever see, because quite literally she puts, picks up the pack of cards, holds on to the pack of cards with half in one hand, half in the other, and just goes up and down, up and down, up and down. They go back in the same place. <laughs> and it is a family joke. So yeah, do not shuffle like my mum. But the video that Elle sent was really good, actually, because she just spread them out on the table. Yeah. And she just sort of moved them around, which I thought was a really good yeah. way of shuffling. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed the shuffle. But I, yeah, I, I loved it. I had a few games. I, and um, you Did you win? I won. I sort of, I won two out of three. Did you cheat? Yeah. No, I didn't cheat. But oh, it, right. it, no, I didn't. I thought about cheating. i tell you what I did. I thought about cheating. And it's funny, and that's why it's called patience. Because yeah. the moment I thought about cheating, I thought, I'll just have one more look. I'll just be patient, have one more look. And I saw, oh my God, that's the, the nine. The nine, I can move that over there. And it flipped me on to sort of being able to move another one on the tableau so that I could that I could do. Um, but also, I don't think you need to cheat really, because there's so many versions. My grandmother Only used to play yourself. a different version. You are. My grandmother used to play a different version than they play now. So if you can't do one version, try the try the easier. I try another and don't yeah. cheat. Yeah. But it's a good lesson in patience, isn't it? It's a very good lesson in patience. And I'm gonna have some more goes actually. I'm gonna take cards on holiday with me. Yeah, it's a really good idea, isn't it? And my the what the patience cards I found are very, very old patience little booklet with loads of different games in it and they look very complicated. Oh. Yeah. But um, it's a good way if you want to sit down and be in the moment. You can't be anywhere else, can you? You have to be in the moment whilst paying patience. So please carry on with paying, playing patience and let us know how that goes. But I've got a new WI this week. Following on from lovely Holly, who said she wrote some of her poems very quickly. I'd like you, Lou, to write a short poem about a taboo women's health issue. So can we have your poems? I know we did your haikus before, didn't we, about menopause. Any taboo women's health issue, a short poem, please. And it gets us thinking, doesn't it? It uh, does. So, quote, Lou, have you got a quote for us this week? I have from the sublime Lady Gaga. Amazing. Do not allow people to dim your shine because they are blinded. Tell them to put on some sunglasses because we were born this way. Oh, that's a song, isn't it? There's a song in there somewhere. Yeah, I was born this way. Oh, you probably might need to cut that out because people's ears will be bleeding now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got COVID. Luckily, my ears don't hear very well at the moment. <laughs> um, did I tell you I've got COVID? Yes, I'm, so COVID. I'm soldiering on COVID. I'm soldiering on like the trooper I am. Oh, um, trooper. Yes. So what a week, Lou. Yeah, and and, sh and shame we're not together, but we will be together soon. We will be. 
Hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. If you've enjoyed our podcast, you may like to consider buying us a Kofi, a K-O-F-I, at ko-fi.com forward slash Womenkind Collective Podcast. Here, a latte and a, an Americano. Yes, yeah, it's you know. a chilled one for me because I'm a good lover. <laughs> um, here you can find updates, photos and some inclusive content we won't post anywhere else. And your donation will help to ensure that we continue to bring you great, great quality content and sound. Well, good luck Maybe with not that. This week. <laughs> soz, soz about that. I think everyone's used to us by now. But if you would like to, we would love you to subscribe, favourite and review our podcast. It really does help us spread the word. And please head over to our Instagram page, Womenkind Collective, to leave your comments or DM us with your thoughts or watch us and our guests on our Womankind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you will find all the links, the recipes, the guest details, and our hashtag Where's My Clinic campaign, the petition for a menopause clinic in Devon on the podcast show notes. And also over on Kofi.com. Yes. I'm I'm off Pull to see if I can in, get any finally. Um, Oh yeah, I'm off to see if I can get any voiceover work with my new sexy fan oh, voice. Oh my god, yeah. you'll do so well. I'm just going. Yeah. I'm just going to go and write a poem on uh, vulvas, I think. Yeah, great. And then I might have a lie down. Oh, oh. okay. See, see you, you next one. week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.